Hallelujah. It's nice to feel special in, the whole, in your own home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I, um, I am going to, I, I was going to say conclude, but probably really tag on to the wonderful sermon series that our pastor did this month with the Christmas carols. Um, the song that I chose, though, isn't what you'd really call a carol. It's more a, uh, it's become a contemporary Christmas classic. And um, it's, it's my very favorite. And that's Mary Did You Know. Now, I know we are going to have a wonderful performance of it at our Christmas Eve Eve service. I cannot wait to hear it. Don't look at me that night because I will be a puddle on the floor, I'm sure, um, whenever she's singing it. Because just as a woman, as a mother, um, it's really hits my heart. It gets me in the feels, right? It's like, what if that were me? What, you know, what if that were somebody that I knew? What, what would that be like? And this song, like I said, it's a contemporary Christian song. It was written in 1984 by Christian songwriter and comedian, believe it or not, Mark Lowry. He's very funny, but boy, when the Spirit of God hits him, he's very anointed, as we all know, by this song. The lyrics evolved from a series of questions that he scripted for a Christmas program at his church. He says that he was just just tried to put into words the unfathomable. He said, I started thinking of the questions I would have for her if I were to sit down and have coffee with Mary. Have you ever done that? Have you ever put yourself into the Bible and wondered what your conversations would be? I've sometimes thought about when I get to glory who I'm going to talk to first. You know, I can't wait to see Peter because Peter and I, we're, we're two of a kind, two peas in a pod. Our mouths always get us into trouble. <laughs> so I want to talk to him and see how he dealt with some of the things that he went through. Of course, I can't wait to talk to King David the psalmist, the only man that the Bible said had a heart after God. Oh, I wanted to, I want to know, don't you want to know what was going on in their lives and in their hearts and in their minds? And so this song was first recorded by Christian artist Michael English in 1991. Now, it was written in 1984, like I said, but it was not recorded until 1991. And I dug up that 
very first recording. And if you're like me, you're going to go, it's not the most beautiful ones that we've heard. I mean, it was okay, but, you know, it wasn't Danny Gokey's version. Okay? <laughs> but I just wanted you to hear the very first recording of Mary Did You Know. When I was putting this message together, I heard the Spirit of the Lord whisper to my spirit, all eyes are on that baby in the manger at this time of year. Even my children are looking at the baby in the manger that they carry but they don't realize, many of them, that it is now time that he, that baby, carries them. The Lord says, I change not, but Jesus is no longer the baby in the manger. He is now the resurrected Savior. He is now the resurrected great I am. And this world during this season and this time needs to know that I'm not in the manger anymore. They need to know by looking at your life and listening to your witness that I am a resurrected king that I am a power that is beyond any power. It is that resurrection power that lives with inside of you, my people, that they need to know about. Because you see, there's going to come a day when they're not going to need that little baby that's in the manger but they're going to need the resurrected Savior, the great breakthrough God that will come and visit their circumstance, that will carry them through their storms. Hallelujah. 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 That's something we need to be thinking about this season, isn't it? Pastor Paul said it over and over again. We need to, during this season, when people are concentrated on that baby, we need to tell them he's not in that manger anymore. Amen? Come on, somebody. You need to let somebody know that he's alive. He's well, and he is full of all the fullness of the Godhead, and he dwells in you. Amen? The fullness of the Godhead dwells 
inside of you? Well, that question repeated over and over again. Mary, did you know? Well, as Pastor Barb told us so eloquently on Sunday, you bet she knew. You bet she knew because that's the only thing that got her through what she had to go through. Of course she knew. An angel from the Most High God came and told her what was going to happen. (laughs) You know, God always sends somebody to give the good news. Maybe he's wanting to send you this week to give somebody the good news. Well, you know, like Mary, you may find it a little hard to believe and a little disconcerting, but I think I've told you before on another occasion that I believe I was sent for such a time as this to give you some disconcerting news, and that is whether you're male, female, young, old, or in between, you're pregnant too. You're pregnant with the purposes of God. Hallelujah. And so, you know, no matter, again, what your age or stage of life is, it does not matter. Ephesians 1.11 says that we were chosen for his purpose. That's the whole reason we were chosen to come to God. Of course, it was because he loved us. Amen. He loves us, but he chose us because he wanted to fill us with his purpose for the earth today. It's no mistake that you were born when you were born. I've, I, my whole life, I've had a love of all things Victorian and, you know, vintage and, and things like that. And I used to say, I think I was born in the wrong time. And then I remembered, wait a minute, they didn't have dishwashers. They didn't even have toilet paper. And I knew that God knew exactly when I should have been born. And you know what? God knows exactly when you were supposed to be born as well. So let's learn from Mary's journey a little bit tonight, okay? Is that okay with you? We're going to look at some of the ways that Mary handled the word of purpose that was delivered to her by the angel Gabriel. First thing we notice is that Mary pondered these things in her heart. Quite frankly, because it was too big to understand. (laughs) But I think we can learn something from Mary. We've all had words, whether they were prophetic words from a person or whether they were a word straight from God or from the scripture that we know are big, like huge big. 
Well, let me just give you a little word of advice. And it's always from experience. You'll get sick of hearing me say, but this is my preaching finger. I've got three of them pointed back at me because I always need what I'm saying three times more than whoever's listening. And it's the truth. I've learned a few things over the years. You don't go out and start blabbing to all your friends the great, wonderful words that God has spoken to you. There's many reasons for that, and we're not going to get into them all, but first of all, it sounds pretty braggadocious, wouldn't you say? (laughs) To say, guess what God told me I'm going to do. But also, it can bring doubt and unbelief into your heart. Because the people that you tell, I don't care who they are, if they're your closest friends, it's still going to be too big for them to understand. So you need to just take those things, ponder them in your heart. Think about them. Let the Holy Spirit explain them and lay things out to you. So... The first thing that happened to her was that she conceived the word of God. She had a conception. And we all have had a conception in the spirit. It's when God breathes his word into your heart. Whether it's, like I said, from the scripture. And, you know, you've been reading the word and All of a sudden, you know, this is like your fifth or 50th time through the Bible, wherever you are, you know, maybe it's your first time, I don't know, but all of a sudden you think, now, he just put that in there. That wasn't in there before. That He just put that in there for me. Well, that's when he's breathing his word. He's breathing the breath of life onto his word to conceive it in your spirit. John 6.63, Jesus said, The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And that word, translated words, is rhema. And that is the God-breathed, life-giving word of God. The logos is just the written word of God. But the rhema is that one where he breathes his breath of life on just for you. And so we're going to look a little bit out of order in the way that the scripture writes it. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, but I want to show you the steps that had to happen for Mary to conceive the Word of God. Don't you want to know? Because I'm sure you want to conceive the Word of God as well and have it living and growing in you because you can birth a word from God. Did you know that? 
You see, everything happens in the spirit realm before it ever happens in the natural. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of a lesson tonight in how to birth things in the spirit first before they're birthed in the natural. Is that okay? Okay, first we're going to look at what Mary did in Luke 1, verse 45. The first thing she did was believe. She could have said, yeah, Gabe, you're kind of wacko and walk away and not believe a thing that he said. But she believed. It says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So you have to believe the word. Not only do you have to believe the word, you have to believe that it'll be fulfilled. You can't just say, oh, that was a good word. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. But in your heart of hearts, you think, well, if it happens, okay. If it doesn't happen, okay, too. No, you can't do that. You must believe that the word that God's spoken to you will be fulfilled. Then the second thing that Mary did, we see in verse 38. She received the word. She received it by faith. It says, she said to the angel Gabriel, let it be done to me according to your word. Capital Y, your word. She was talking to the Lord. Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. How many of us have taken the time when God's shown us something or spoken something to us to say, Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. Whatever you say in your word, whether it's that you would that we would all prosper whether it would be that you believe that we all should be in good health. There's such a thing as reading the word and then applying that word to yourself, receiving it for yourself. I want to challenge you this next week, as maybe some of you are doing some special Advent readings in the word, maybe you're just doing your daily devotions in the order that you always do them in, I want to challenge you. Sometime this week, when you read something, or maybe it's in your prayer time, because we all have to be in the presence of God to get presents from God. I'm going to say that again. We all have to be in the presence of God to get the presence of God. You know, we're all really focused right now. We're down to the wire. We got to get all those gifts bought, get them all wrapped, all those presents. Well, what if you had them all under the tree and you loose the kids in the morning, and they just stood at the tree and said, 
Oh, thank you so much. They're so pretty. What's for breakfast? Now, have you ever in your life known a child to do that? Of course not. Jesus said that we had to become like children to receive the kingdom of God, didn't he? Well, what do the kids do? They grab those gifts, they rip them open, and they say, mine, (laughs) mine. We need to do the same thing with God's word. Mine. I receive it for myself. And so then, verse 37, Mary conceived the word because she understood, for nothing is impossible with God. You see, it wasn't until she received it and then joined it with her faith that she conceived. So I I have a a little um, equation that if Titus can put it up, there it is. Oh, that's gone on. The Lord just gave this to remind me, so hopefully it'll help remind you. Believe plus receive equals conceive. Anything that God wants to do through you is going to have to go through that equation because it's got to bypass your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions Like I said, Mary could have said, what? You're nuts, Gabriel. Because that's what I would have done, right? I mean, I think of these women like Sarah that had a baby when she was close to 100. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, if God came and told me that I was pregnant again, I would have a real struggle. I would have a real struggle. Believe plus receive equals conceive. And I think we need to learn that from Mary. Then, of course, she went through the gestation period, which is the time that the baby is growing inside of her. And we go through a similar thing in the spirit. We go through a time of gestation. And that's the time when we need to be thinking about, meditating on, talking to ourselves and the Lord about this baby that's inside of us. You say, well, if people see me talking to myself about a baby inside me, they think I was really loony. Well, let's just look at the physical, the natural. Don't pregnant women talk all the time about the babies they're expecting? And nobody thinks they're silly or nobody thinks they're crazy. They even name them. They call them by name. They talk about them like as if they're already here. Hi, it's mommy. You're going to be so beautiful and you're going to do this. And you're. Why can't we do that in the spirit realm? We need to be meditating, mauling over 
that word that God has placed within us so that it can grow. That's how it is nurtured and grows. You know, then comes the birthing process. You know, I want to tell you something. We, we learn from Mary as well. And, and I know you're going to say, well, you're a little biased because you are one. But Jesus loves his girls. Now, he loves his men too. Don't get me wrong. He loves you all. But he really loves his girls. And throughout the scripture, we don't have time, of course, tonight. I could outline woman after woman after woman that everything was against her. But God. But God. And he used them all. And let's just get one thing settled right here. I know it's not a problem in this church, but even the people that are watching If it was okay for Mary to carry the very word of God incarnate, don't you think it's silly to say that women can't carry the word of God to the body? That's all I'm going to say about that. But I used to... I used to think, you know, when God first called me to preach the gospel, I said, no, I can't do that, Lord. And he said, why not? I said, well, because I'm a girl. And he said, yeah, I know that. You see, it took me probably about 15 minutes of trying to convince God that he forgot I was a girl because of all the bad press that I'd heard about women preachers. See, we have to unlearn sometimes as much as we've learned before God can bring us to where he wants us to. Are you going to renew your mind to the word of God? I know there's all kinds of arguments about scripture out there. And all I'm going to say is they were all taken out of context and out of culture. But the closer to the birth that we get in the natural, the harder it gets. Anybody here ever birthed the baby? It's called transition. And any time you are transitioning in the kingdom of God, now hear me, you are getting close to a place that the word that the Lord gave you for your life, for your purpose, you're getting closer and closer and closer. It's going to get hard. They don't call it labor for nothing. You say, well... I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. <laughs> but guess what? Take it from somebody who did it three times. It gets hard. It gets hard. 
And that's usually when you know that it's almost here. It's almost here. Well, why does it get so hard? And and I am going to speak to the women for just a minute here. Guys, you can listen in too. You're welcome. (laughs) Satan hates women. Hates them. Why? Because God made us the womb man. We are birthers by the way God made us. We are nourishers of that growing seed within us. And starting in Genesis, way back, the third chapter, the 15th verse, God said that he was going to put enmity between Satan and the woman. Why? Because she was the birther. And Satan knew it. You look all the way to Revelation. Revelation 12, 17. The dragon was enraged at the woman about to give birth. He was enraged. Why? Because the woman represents the church. All through scripture, the woman represents the church. Satan, in in the book of Revelation, in that verse, if you read that in context, he is standing right in front of her as she's ready to give birth. Why? Because he wants to devour the seed, just like he did back in Genesis. That word that's translated enmity comes from the Hebrew root word meaning to be an enemy, to hate. So Satan hates women because we represent the body of Christ. When the body of Christ is spoken of, it's spoken of as a she. Anytime it's spoken, it's she. Now, the birth happened. The, what the birth is, for, for those of you that are trying to put it in practical terms that you can understand, the birth in the spirit is the prophecy manifesting in the natural from the supernatural. And, and I'm, really, I'm really praying I've been doing for the past couple of months, and, and I'm really getting deep into it now. I'm, I'm hoping that I might have the opportunity to share a series on the supernatural. I was praying that's the word the Lord gave me for this year, and I believe it's because that is the season that the church is moving into. The supernatural is going to have to be birthed in the natural, for the great harvest to come in. Because you see, signs and wonders are for the unbeliever. You know, we're constantly going from conference to conference, seeking after signs and wonders. 
Well, my Bible says that signs and wonders follow those who believe. Maybe it's time we stop looking for it at the next conference and start birthing it from the spirit realm into the natural realm. Come on, somebody. Are you ready to do some birthing in the spirit? Both men and women, it's time. We've got to birth the word of God. Now, lest you think that Mary was perfect, Mary wasn't perfect. She was just like you and me. Think about it. She was, they say, probably about 13 when the angel first appeared to her, which would make her about 14 when Jesus was born. Were you perfect at 13 and 14? I mean, I know you thought you were, right? How many have had teenagers and all the church said, amen, amen. It's that age where all of a sudden, all the wisdom of the ages drops in their head and you know nothing. They know everything, you know nothing. It's funny, now that our our kids are the ages they are, they're all in their 40s, one almost 50, and he says to me, Mom, it's amazing, the older I get, the smarter you are. It's wonderful watching him with his kids. We always laugh and say, payback's great. (laughs) It's great. But Mary wasn't perfect. She lost Jesus. Well, we know she left him, right? Luke 2, 41 through 49 tells the story about what happened, you know, after they'd fulfilled the feasts and everything. And, and, you know, they were in this great, big, wonderful, spiritual feast for days but she lost him on the way home in fact not only did she lose him but she didn't even recognize that he was gone for a whole day's journey now I'm going to tell you something she's the one that knew Jesus the best I think we all need to guard our hearts. Have you ever gone to church on a Sunday morning, had a wonderful service, praise and worship was so great, the presence of God was so thick and heavy, the word was so rich, God was doing miracles. And by that afternoon... You lost Jesus. You were in his house, just like they were in the temple. You know Jesus. She knew him best. And yet, she lost the presence of Jesus. We've got to guard our hearts, church. 
so easy for us to get into a routine of coming to church, doing our duty and checking the box. And on the way home, we're already fighting and arguing. And we've lost the presence of God. She lost him in the most unlikely place. It wasn't a store or a theater. Or, but it was in the temple, among the holy things. You know, there is such a thing as a counterfeit presence. Now, I know I'm stepping on some toes, but give me some grace. I know you have to love me. <laughs> Jesus says you have to love me. <laughs> but I want you to hear me. You know, I sleep with a sound machine. And, you know, you can put them, like, like listen to the rain if you want to, to go to sleep. I want you to know that I could listen to the rain on that sound machine all night long, and I'm still going to wake up dry as a bone. Hear me. You can listen to sermons. You can listen to worship. You can listen to podcasts. You can even read the word. And not have the presence of Jesus in your life. Hard to believe, but very true. Very true. You know, Mary, when she realized that she had left Jesus... She left him. He didn't go anywhere. He was still there. She found him again right back at the place that she left him. And I want to tell you tonight, if you're feeling that you're not hearing God as loudly as you used to, if maybe you're not sensing his presence at all, God didn't go anywhere. You look at the last place where you left him. People ask me all the time, how come I don't hear God anymore? You know, I try not to be a smart aleck. I really do. I'm, you know, God is really trying to temper the prophetic in me, give me a little bit more mercy. But I just say, well... Did you do the last thing he told you to do? What was the last thing you heard him say? Did you do it? And if they don't, if they hadn't, why would God give them more when they hadn't even appreciated, honored, respected, and feared what he told them back here? You see, growing with God is just that. It's growing line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. We're going to grow in the knowledge of God. Amen? 
So for the rest of her days, Mary chose to consciously stay close to the purpose and see the word of God through to the end. If you read throughout the gospels, she was right at the cross. She wasn't going to leave. She wanted to be sure, just like Pastor Barb said on, on Sunday, she had to know that the purpose was true. And because of that, she ran to the tomb. She knew he was risen. And the greatest reward, and this is something, you know, the line, one of the lines that I absolutely love about Mary, did you know, is when it says, the baby that you delivered will soon deliver you. See, people have elevated Mary above us. She was not above us. She was among us. She was among us. She had the same struggles we do. And her great reward was in that upper room with 119 other of her brothers and sisters when the mighty rushing winds of Pentecost came. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. Mary birthed from the spirit into the natural and the whole cycle perpetuated until once again, it was in the spirit. Isn't that beautiful? So as long as there's still breath in your lungs, the purpose of God is waiting to be fulfilled. It's still waiting. If you've fulfilled one, then there's another one for you to fulfill. God never stops. So this Christmas season and coming New Year, will you remember the model that Mary gave us? The mother of Jesus. She lived it out for all of us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much tonight for your word. We thank you that throughout scripture, you give us models of different individuals for different times and different seasons in our life, depending on what we're going through. God, you know, and you put them in there specifically that we can read and think about it and that we too can renew our thinking and begin to act the way that you made us to act. Lord, you created us in your image and your likeness. That means that everything that you have, we have. You've given it to us, God. We think that that's not being humble and that that's being blasphemous, but it isn't because you said it wasn't. 
you said that the very fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lives in us. That that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within us. And Lord, what are we doing with it? Forgive us, God, for being complacent. Forgive us for sitting on our laurels and just waiting for time to pass so that we can sit back and relax or retire or even go to heaven. But God, how strongly you've implanted this in my heart over the years that we can't do that. And every time we're tempted to, we must rise up in that power and say no. Say no. God, your word says in Titus 2, 11 and 12 that you've given us the grace of God to say no to ungodliness and to live an upright and righteous life in this present day, not when we get to heaven someday, not in the goodbye and by, but Lord, you want us to live that way now. So God, today we come to you and we ask your forgiveness for every time we've thought about it and not done anything. Every time we've wanted more than anything to quit and thought and meditated about it. We ask for your forgiveness. Now, Lord, we ask that you help us to stir up the gifts of the Spirit that are within us. God, all of those gifts that have been given to us, whether through the prophetic laying on of hands or, or through your word or however they were given to us, God, remind us to stir them up and keep the flame kindled, Lord, burning bright so that when you say, move, when you say, go do that, when you say, go tell them now, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. And we will see the signs and wonders following us who believe. We love you, Jesus. We give you all praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.